When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. What is going on, Belly Up Sports fam? Mr. Shaka Cummings, Mr. Parker Ainsworth. Welcome to F in Sports, the podcast for two teachers, great sports, biggest issues. Mr. Ainsworth, wedding bells, almost, almost <laughs> here, right around the corner. How are you doing on this fine Sunday afternoon, sir? I'm doing well. It's unseasonably warm in Texas. It's like 78 degrees and sunny outside, and I'm stuck inside these days, but it's nice to see that it looks nice outside. Uh, how are you doing, Mr. Cummings? So we got the exact opposite thing going on in Kentucky, which is it looks like it should be 78 degrees outside, because when you look outside, it's like sunny and clear, but then you go outside and the high is like in the 40s, so it's like, oh Oof. man, that's not fun. Why? Why? Yeah. Why, Mother Nature? Don't play such games. Uh, I am also stuck inside, but I'm I'm cool with that. So, <laughs> uh, Mr. Ainsworth, do you want to go ahead and hit us with your first gold star? Yeah, I'm going to give a gold star to Corey Davis, the Tennessee Titans. He had a death in the family on Wednesday and turned around and played football on Friday and was uh, like visibly emotional during it. And I, I guess my bigger thing there is just like some, everyone's going to grieve differently. Everyone's going to go through that differently. And to I, I hope that there was no like, I got to do this for the fans. I got because. You don't owe us anything. Like, take care of yourself however you want. But if that's the way you're going to do it, um, and that that's like some people want to go to work and go in and distract themselves and do, or if you're, you know, football is a passion. And if you want to go be, do something you're passionate about and like express yourself that way and get it all out and like go run around and play ball, like whatever it takes. But gold started Corey Davis for getting out there and playing on Thursday because I don't know that everyone could have done that. No, absolutely. It's crazy to think that 
people can harness their emotions in that way and still go perform. I don't know that I would be able to. My gold star is going to go to the Miami Marlins, who hired Kim Ang as their new general manager. Now, as a Yankee fan, I know Kim Ang because once upon a time, she <laughs> worked under Brian Cashman in the Yankees front office. And I feel like I've been hearing for like a decade that she was going to break through and become the first woman to be a GM, as well as the first person of Asian descent to be a GM in Major League Baseball. And maybe it took a little longer than necessary, but Derek Jeter definitely remembered her <laughs> in the right. front office with the Miami Marlins because he had an opportunity. Kim Ang is now that new uh, face of the Marlins player development. And again, first woman to serve in the role of general manager for a professional athletic franchise that is a male professional athletic franchise. I I don't know of any, and this is going all over the world, even in soccer and all these sorts of things. But she's also uh, the first person of Asian descent to have this role. Uh, so Ang, I believe, is Vietnamese because I had friends of mine who were Angs back when I was growing up in New York. But I don't know that for certain. So I'm going to Google that to make sure that we get that correct. <laughs> but um, just the fact that I don't know that we traditionally associate baseball with any sort of Asian ethnicity. So to have someone just open outside up of, that avenue, right? Right. Outside of Ichiro, right? But Asian being very broad there. Yeah, that's the thing, too, is that we say Asian descent and Asian is so broad because we're not speaking Indian Asian uh, necessarily, right? We're speaking specifically about Eastern Asian. So I'm looking up Kim Ang which I am sure that this is great podcast fodder. Um, (laughs) Keeping all this in. This is all staying. It always stays in. Whenever I screw it up, it stays in. (laughs) Um, No, Actually, whenever Mr. Ainsworth screws it up, it definitely stays in because I'm the one who edits (laughs) that. Um, I am not uh, getting it. Oh, Thai. Okay, so her mother is Thailand-born of Chinese descent. So um, Aang is a Thai. So definitely the first person of Thai descent to have a front office position. Congratulations to her. And hopefully it gets to the point where, like, we just don't notice. But until we get to that point, it deserves to be celebrated. Well, and we've got a while to go till it gets to that point. So let's celebrate it when we do, right? Absolutely. Uh, You got any more gold stars for us, Mr. Ainsworth? Yeah, although this one's much more specific to my teaching in my classroom, as we sit here as two teachers. I'm giving a gold star to Ben Wallace. Uh, I don't know what Ben Wallace did, but he apparently left an impression on the youth. I kind of assume Ben Wallace be a kind of guy that if you watch 2000s basketball, you like knew about him. But he was kind of otherwise, he'd be he's not quite as fun and eccentric as Rodman on those 90s Bulls teams. But on those mid-2000s Pistons teams, he served a very similar role, I guess. I don't know. I just didn't think he was going to be as memorable as he is. And I had a student, I'm teaching remotely right now, and I had a student who used his te- Microsoft Teams background slash whatever to it put him in a Detroit Pistons number three jersey and gave him a headband and an afro. And he did that the whole class. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not going to say his name on the air, but I was like, do you know who that is? He goes, oh yeah, it's Ben Wallace. He's awesome. And I was like, how do you know Ben Wallace? You're, you're 12 years old. Like, Ben Wallace retired. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so shout out to Ben Wallace for him leaving an impression. Um, I didn't know that was Ben that he was like that. No, obviously Ben Wallace loved the kids, and kids love Ben Wallace. I mean, I, <laughs> oh, there's nothing wrong with that. No, my my final gold star is not sports related; it's more teacher related because we do both of these things in the podcast. If you have not checked out Rap TV, so they are uh, they're on Twitter at Rap TV Com. 
at R-A-P-T-V-C-O-M. They got a video that's got 12.6 million views, so I'm assuming a lot of people have seen this video. But uh, the tweet reads that there's a teacher who lets his students freestyle on Fridays if during the week they get 80% or higher on their weekly assignments. So the teacher posted the video of the kids freestyling, and it's a minute of these kids flowing. Like, this kid in the blue polo <laughs> is vibing like he knows he can flow. <laughs> and then, this got this kid in the white t-shirt who comes in after him, and his flow is smooth. Like, he's just coming in, and he's just dropping. And it's like, oh, my God. This is actually halfway decent. And these kids, I mean, Mr. Ainsworth said they look like they're five years old. They look a little older than five, but not much. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, shout out to them. Hey, listen, whatever it takes to uh, find your uh, future career and whatever it takes to get the kids excited, obviously, that got your students excited that is nuts i'm wondering if like we could do that in our classes i don't know that our kids would get as excited i'm also worried that my kids would not have as much flow frankly well my kids would definitely not and they're older (laughs) which is worrisome but if the deal is even if they're not going to grow up and be rappers if they're studying to get over an 80 on the assessment or whatever it is assignment to then be able to freestyle with their friends, like then they are learning something along the way, whatever the incentive is. And it's just, it's funny to watch these, like this kid in the blue polo is like, uh, he, like he's a performer. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> Let me just say, like you're like, oh, even if they don't become professional rappers, there's nothing to me that this kid in the white t shirt can't become a pro. There's nothing <laughs> that says he can't. He came in so. Anyway, okay, uh, Mr. Aintworth, you got detention for us. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Also, somewhat teacher-related, actually. Um, I'm going to give my detention to Tommy Tuberville, who is sports-adjacent, I guess, because he was a mediocre NCAA football coach. Well, he was at Auburn, <laughs> and then he spent a brief stint at Tech and is famous for walking out of a recruit dinner at Tech when he got a new job. Anyway, he was elected to Congress this past election cycle, and... While that may be not even the most surprising thing that's happened in the last election cycle, Tommy Tuberville being elected to Congress meant that we listen to Tommy Tuberville talk about important things now, including not being able to name the three branches of government, which is enough to <laughs> flunk enough to flunk my seventh grade history class. So detention, Tommy Tuberville, you've got to go do a lot of homework because you're getting into office in January and I don't think you're ready. No, he uh, also talked about, you know, World War Two, where the Americans right. fought against the communists and the socialists. And it's you don't know anything about World War Two, do you? Because America fought against the fascists and actually fought alongside the communists because Russia, <laughs> Russia right. was part of the allied uh, powers. You, you, you know, you didn't remember the time idiot. that FDR and the and Russia both together fought against communism. You didn't remember that? <laughs> <laughs> God, that's why Tommy Tuberville was so awful. Um, (laughs) my detention goes to the NCAA in the not surprising stat of the week with detention the NCAA. But here's why this week. So the NCAA had the opportunity to vote on two policies that were specifically diversity, equity, and inclusivity focused with regard to providing interview opportunities for minority coaches, uh, minority athletic administrative candidates. That includes uh, candidates for AD positions. The NCAA declined to vote on these policies and then said that basically they're declining because they believe that every individual school should be able to make that decision themselves, which if you recognize that there is an issue, then what you have said is that the schools have not been able to handle it on their own. Therefore, you as a governing body needed to come in and put to put in place a policy that then made the hiring process more equitable. So just the fact that you were having this conversation tells me you didn't think that the schools could handle it on their own. But then it came time to actually do something 
as the NCAA and you didn't. So now all those athletes who you want to reach out to and you want them to trust you and rely on your authority and your power, Mark Emmert, man, they your actions speak louder than your words. So now when they come out and they want to tear you apart, you deserve every shred of criticism that you are going to receive on this. And obviously they're getting torn apart all over social media. It doesn't make any sense. The NFL came out and said, when you got billionaire owners, oh, by the way, they came out and said, nah, y'all don't do the process right, so we're going to come in and put rules in place around the hiring process. There's no reason that the NCAA couldn't have come out and done the same. And they had an opportunity to. And rather than vote, they declined the opportunity to vote. So either one, you were afraid that people would see your true colors, that you guys didn't believe that this was something that was worthy of discussion because they would have voted these two policies down, or you were too scared that these policies would have been voted to place and you had to do something with them. Either way, cowardice. As we progress forward, I don't know, <laughs> Mr. Angel, I can let you tear into it too, but I just, I know you agree, so all you're going to do is tear into them with me. No, so, I just, it, I don't know why I would expect more out of a governing body that can't control whether conferences are playing or not. So, like, I, like they don't do anything. Like, the NCAA is the governing body. doesn't do anything besides punish kids. And anyway, that's what I got. There <laughs> like, you go. They punish kids and take away job opportunities for minorities. That's what you're now known for. Congratulations. Um, and March Madness. I do love March Madness. Um, <laughs> as we progress forward, we're going to talk a little bit about the college football potential for expanding their playoffs in this COVID-shortened season. We're going to talk about uh, basketball and the Christmas Day start and whether or not that's a good idea. And then we're going to talk about asterisk and baseball. And maybe I'll be able to turn Mr. Ainsworth to be for this asterisk as we look at the award winners in baseball and whether or not there should be an asterisk on their awards this season. So, without further ado, Mr. Ainsworth, are you ready to go, sir? Ready when you are, Shaka. Okay, Mr. Cummings, the first thesis this week looks at college football. And as we record sitting here on a Sunday afternoon... The latest AP poll is out after some fun games yesterday and some games that didn't happen yesterday. The thesis reads, The college football playoff should take this opportunity in 2020 to provisionally add teams. It currently sits at four. So what do you think, Mr. Cummings? So I'm going to go ahead and give this thesis statement an A. I definitely have questions about how many teams and where the teams are going to come from, those sorts of things. That being said, I agree with the sentiment, and I definitely think that an, an essay could be constructed here that I would grade highly. What about you, Mr. Ainsworth? How do you grade this thesis statement? I'm also at an A. I'm going to say A minus, but I'm going to I'm going to be at the A range too. I think so. I'm sticking an A. Okay, Mr. Cummings, we're both very high on this, and you were talking about like you could do a whole essay on this. So go ahead, and you talk for a long time, and I'll listen. <laughs> I talk for a long time anyway. Yeah, no, uh, I'm definitely an A here. So the the thesis statement about provisionally adding teams in 2020 for the college football playoff to me makes a ton of sense. If you look at 2020 and the construct of each conference and their individual seasons, the, we got it's scattershot. How do you compare? the Big Ten to the Pac-10 in any reasonable way? How do you compare the Pac-10 to the SEC in any re- reasonable way? I don't. It, it's incredibly difficult. And the realities that come along with that is that the difficulty isn't the fault of the players or the fault of the coaches. It was college commissioners and um, 
or I should say conference commissioners, as well as college presidents and athletic directors who ended up kind of crafting these schedules and these plans and this this opportunity to even play this season. In my mind, in order to make it as fair as possible, why not add teams? Why not look at making sure that you have a decent swath in terms of a representation of teams that can go against each other for this championship? Knowing that you don't have the things that we've had that have been playoff eliminators in previous seasons. For instance, you don't have big out-of-conference matchups between teams that are in Power 5 conferences because almost all the Power 5 conferences exclusively went to models where they were playing each other, right? So knowing that some of those uh, kind of de facto playoff games that we've had during the regular season didn't happen, why not add teams? Another piece to consider is the lack of revenue from a normal season. An expanded playoff represents an expanded opportunity to draw revenue in. And that revenue can come into these teams individually, but they can also come in to the conferences, and hopefully some of that revenue can be spread around and maybe save some athletic departments, frankly. It's one thing to be Ohio State and have as much revenue coming in as you normally have and be able to maybe say, I can take a hit this year. It's another thing to be Wake Forest and ask them to do it, right? And so when you start looking at just different uh, different teams and their different realities in terms of the athletic departments at their universities, any added opportunity to draw revenue feels like a good idea. So I say go, go with expanded playoffs because that's expanded revenue opportunity. Uh, the final thing that I want to say in terms of why this is an A to me is because as I am watching, I still have questions about who the best team is going to be. And I genuinely think that there are five or six teams that could be out there for for that championship. And if you have that many teams that potentially could win it, why not let them play each other? Um, and in 2020, you could do that and you're not going to have to blow up the whole system post-2020. Now, maybe what you do is you kind of provisionally look at this thing and it leads you to looking at a new playoff post 2020 but this is now the excuse right you can actually use this year as the model for hey do we give every power five team a spot do, what do we do with at large teams um i have some thoughts about how that could happen but i've talked for a little bit and i am curious <laughs> no, you had, about your a mr Ainsworth. you had a whole essay i was waiting for the the conclusion no oh, um no i gave I, listen i gave you three main <laughs> ideas so you know what the body paragraphs are going to be i i really think like you said though my biggest issue with this is provisional and i understand that if it didn't work out i guess you could say like oh we just did it for 2020 and whatever but the only reason this is an a minus or an a and not an a plus to me is the word provisional that this should have been the way it was in the first place <laughs> because if you have five power conferences that are going to compete for playoff spots every year theoretically could have five undefeated teams and one just gets left out like it should have been more than four from the get-go i'm sure we're gonna have fairly similar thoughts but i tend to think it needs to be eight with the power five each get their champion or whatever and then you have three at large and if those at larges are the byus and cincinnati's the world they are if those at largest are the teams that come in second in those power five conferences they are but that allows for flexibility it adds maybe one more game to the kids bodies right because like a champion would now play three playoff games instead of two and they play 
you know, 12 and 13 game seasons anyway. So we're not like pushing too many limits there. It's also still, you know, a month after the last game. So we're not pushing limits there. And you get, like you get, like you pointed out, you get a round of playoff games TV revenue, a whole nother BCS set of four big playoff games that everyone's watching to see what happens worth of TV revenue. And this is the year they need all the TV revenue. We're watching games on the weekends when they don't get canceled or postponed that have empty stadiums. You know, we, they need the money. I, I also think that part of this is, and I don't mean to echo all of your points, but we just think very similarly on this. If Ohio State goes like 6-0, and how am I going to compare that to Clemson going 11-1, and but that loss is without Trevor Lawrence when Ohio State would have been up the same creek without Justin Fields and they just didn't, weren't playing at the time, you know? And so did they miss that window by not playing earlier? But I also don't want to punish the schools like Ohio State or, the, generally speaking, the Big Ten or the Pac-12 for doing something safe and trying to keep their kids safe. So I think that expanding the playoff satisfies both needs there, and it gives a more realistic shot for a BYU. It gives a more realistic shot for a Cincinnati. You can get both Clemson and Notre Dame in there. And you may even have something fun where like Clemson and Notre Dame play in the regular season, goes double overtime. They play in the ACC championship game, and let's say that one's close. And then they meet again in a semifinal game and or in a quarterfinal game or whatever you want to call it, whatever they meet, and it's like a rubber match all of a sudden, you know, like this crazy fun atmosphere between the two. I, I just see all pros and very few cons, and it I don't understand why this hadn't happened before, and 2020 sure ought to happen. So I, provisional is where I say that, I guess. No, I get that. Um, what I will say is that I could understand an argument to be made for maybe folks questioning adding teams to playoffs in 2020, considering the games have been canceled. Like, I might be here to hear that. You're definitely going to have to explain it to me in a way that makes sense to me, though, because we're playing games anyway (laughs) in 2020. And those teams that aren't going to be in the playoff, my understanding is they're not canceling bowl games. Some bowl games are being canceled, but they're still going to have bowls, which means that there's still going to be opportunities for kids to play. So why not make that one game for at least four of those teams a a playoff game, right? We have an opportunity to win a championship. So... I, I, I would imagine that there's some COVID argument. I just don't know what it is because we're I don't playing know. bowl games anyway. <laughs> I about to say, I don't know what the COVID argument would be that also allows for them to play things like bowl games in a regular college football playoff. I understand. Like, if you just want to say they shouldn't be playing at all, yeah, then I guess that's, 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 that's a whole different thing. Absolutely. But if you're going to play a college football playoff and those kids on the other teams are going to be playing a bowl game somewhere... I don't understand why. Anyway, I don't. I don't know what the argument there would be. No, absolutely not. Um, and incidentally, obviously, the NCAA is hard up for money. You realize that California is playing UCLA right now. So, right for those of you guys who are listening to the podcast, know that we are recording on a Sunday afternoon. There's a college football game on a Sunday afternoon because the Pac-12 they did, they started later. They had a couple of teams that had to pull out because of COVID. So the two teams that were going to play, the two teams that pulled out are not playing each other on a Sunday to get a game in to the make sure hel- that they the get the two healthy teams. Yeah, the two healthy teams got on the phone with one another and said, hey, our team had to cancel. Your team had to cancel. Let's just play on Sunday. Yeah, so we, they had- we were going to play each other anyway, right? That's the right. other thing, too. It's Cal and UCLA. They play each other every year. Um, I think Cal was scheduled to play Arizona State and UCLA was scheduled to play Utah. It could right. be that I have those reversed, <laughs> but uh, Arizona State and Utah are the teams that had to pull out is the point. Right. So uh, the so we talked about the model earlier. You had talked about, I want to spend a little bit of time on that. I've been a big proponent of 
the model for college football playoffs that Stuart Mandel posed years back in his book, Bowls, Poles, and Tattered Souls. And what he said was, if you are a Division 1A conference, your champion should be in the playoff. And you could actually do a 16-team playoff like that because now you get all of the Power 5 plus the group of five, you get all their conference champions, and then you have six at-larges. And it's like, oh, man, that'd be awesome because that's almost like March Madness style, right? Now, I don't think that this is the year to say we're going to add two more uh, games to the playoff, but I do think you can get away with adding one more, and I do think that you just – you mentioned it. Take each of the Power 5 conference champions – even the Big 12s is going to lose two games, right? Take all those champions they're <laughs> in. I also say you have to take a group of five then. In your right? in yeah. your at-large three? Whoever you want out of BYU, Cincinnati. And let me just say, even if one of them loses a game, take one of them. One of them needs to be in it, right? And then you have two at-large teams after that. So now you can get both Clemson and Notre Dame, right? You can get two SEC teams, right? Um, incidentally, if you're not watching Pac-12 football, that's fine. But eventually, you're going to watch Oregon. <laughs> and when you watch Oregon, the first thing you're going to realize is, oh, my gosh, their whole offensive line is gone. Yeah, Panay Sewell's not playing this year. He's already opted out. He's still going to be the, a top two pick in the draft, maybe a top three pick in the draft. But even with the whole new offensive line, them dudes are smashing people. Oregon is going to be a very difficult out. So, I hope that they get into the playoff because no one watches the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 is supposed to be soft. But when y'all see Oregon, you'll realize they're not soft. You just don't. You just didn't watch them. And so the opportunity for a team like that, right, to get in there and play against Clemson because Clemson's not going to play them. Why would Clemson play Oregon? They don't have a reason to do that unless it's for a championship, right? Let them play Notre Dame. Let them play Alabama. I think that'd be awesome. Well, and if they're really so much better, then go win by forty and shut us up, right? Like, like you get a chance yeah, to show, right? You know, like you get a chance to show you're better, so go do it. You know, that's the same thing with the Power Five, right? If you're gonna beat BYU by fifty, awesome, put them in and beat them by fifty. If you're gonna beat BYU right. like a drum, just go ahead and beat them like a drum. Now, here's the thing. Alabama, you ain't gonna beat a them long like a drum. time ago. Alabama thought they were gonna do that against Utah back when Utah was not in the Pac-12, and they didn't. Right? I mean, it doesn't always work out like that. No, Oklahoma thought they would do it to Boise State, too. I mean, it just doesn't always work out the way that you think it's going to work out, right? And then those teams come in, and they show you that they got a little bit, right? Wisconsin is still reeling from losing to TCU in a Rose Bowl, right? I don't know that BYU is the best team this season. I don't know what their defense will do versus some of these other offenses. I just know that they look as good as any team that I watch every Saturday. I don't know what Cincinnati's going to do either. They just look as good as any team that I watch. And if what you're going to say to me is we're going to do a model <laughs> where the Big 12 champ automatically gets to go, that's fine. But then, yeah, you have to let me win because <laughs> Oklahoma's going to have two losses, right? Texas will have two well, losses. Oklahoma State's sitting at 5-1, and one, so I guess Oklahoma State could win the whole thing. Well, but... You know they're losing. They lose every year. They, it's it's called pulling at Oklahoma State. At this <laughs> they're point. just they're they're at the top of the conference right now, so I, I guess like they don't have to have a two loss. Whatever, team, I have no faith probably in will. I have zero faith. Right. They in probably moments. will. Okay, Parker. So the thesis statement for this commercial is James Harden has the best beard in sports. What do you think about that thesis statement? Oh, I give it an A. You know, as a Houston guy, we we seem to have an affinity for our beers between guys like him, Dallas Keiko, lots of big dudes in the Houston area. What do you think about the thesis? So, I'm a Jets fan, and I absolutely love the beard that Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So, maybe I would give Ryan Fitzpatrick the nod over James Harden. But, 
You're talking to a couple of bearded teachers, and we know a thing or two about making sure that you maintain that mane. So check out the beard struggle. The beard struggle, they make oils, they make balms, they even have this heated comb to make sure that you get your beard straight so that you're looking fresh. I know I've really enjoyed using the oil they make for my quarantine beard of sorts. It's nice and long these days, but it'll <laughs> keep it nice and healthy and hydrated. And if you're a listener to our show, you can use FN Sports 15 and get 15% off your oils, your balms, your shampoos, conditioners, whatever you need to use to keep your beard looking healthy. Absolutely. Check out The Beard Struggle at thebeardstruggle.com. Whether you're just starting to grow or you have a luscious mane already, The Beard Struggle's got all the products that you need. The Beard Struggle. Feast your face. Okay, Mr. Ainsworth, our second thesis statement of the podcast is specific to the NBA and the news that's come out this week that the 2020-2021 season is right around the corner. The thesis statement reads, the NBA starting their 2020-2021 season on December 22nd is a good idea. I say that to you, Mr. Ainsworth. How are you going to grade that thesis statement? So I've come, I've come off my like I think a, a week ago I had a very different grade. I'm sitting at like a B right now. I think I'm at a B. What do you think? Okay, I think this might be a very boring discussion because I'm right at a B as well. <laughs> um, okay, so we'll see exactly what we agree and disagree on. Okay, Mr. Ainsworth, we can be a very bad 80s tag team in wrestling. There was one called the Killer Bees. So uh, we both gave a B to the idea of the NBA restart coming back in. uh, Well, it shouldn't be a restart, right? It's the 2020-2021 season. This is a whole new season. They're going to start it up around Christmas. We both said that's a B. Talk to me about what you're hesitant about and what you think is good about starting around Christmas time. So like a week ago, I think I was actually lower on it. But I've just been reading more about it. And anyway, I think I'm sitting at a B. Frankly, there's part of me that just wants to be able to watch basketball again. But my, my, the reason I didn't give it an A, I guess, is because and the reason I was lower on it a week ago than I am now is it feels like I was just watching basketball. And so my brain went to these guys need a rest. Not that I would like it's not about me and watching basketball. It's about them and their bodies. And I don't want to see a bunch of guys bodies break down in like February because they've been playing for so many months in a row. However, as you look at it, like the last team that was not Miami or LA played on September 27th, and those were, there were four teams playing in late September, and there were eight teams playing in early September. And so really, the vast majority of the league has had more time off because they didn't make it to the second round of the playoffs, or they didn't make it to the bubble, or they did right, and so on. So the Lakers and Heat are going to be exhausted to start the year because they're going to start their preseason games on December 11th, it looks like, which is like legitimately less than a month away right now as we sit here, which, which is crazy. The NBA's opening night would be December 22nd, which again, they get their own Christmas Day TV revenue, which is a big day for them. Um, it looks like the regular season will be slated to end on May 16th, which is only a month later than normal, or not quite a month later than normal. Um but then the weekend after that, you'd have a play-in tournament for the seeds 7 through 10 to make it into the NBA playoffs, much like you had for the 8 seed in the last bubble playoff, which I actually kind of enjoy. And the first round of the playoffs starts on May 22nd. And so you're delaying things a little more than a month on the back end, and it looks like the finals will still be done by July 22nd, which means that there's no crossover 
with the Olympics. And so as I look at all the aspects of the schedule, it starts to make sense. And then, obviously, this may be more pertinent to you as a New Yorker. No shot at the Knicks on purpose, I guess. But teams that missed the bubble will not have played a basketball game in 287 days when the season starts. So that's two-thirds of a year, more than two-thirds of a year off of playing competitive game like basketball and so i guess i got hyper focused when i wanted to initially get us a bad grade on like but lebron james and jimmy butler were just playing and it's like yeah but outside of those two teams not everyone was was just playing and they do still have a relatively spaced out season and they do still wrap it up before the olympics start and so I think there are pros and cons here, but it it brought my grade up when I started to look at how every team breaks down, not just the two final contending teams. No, absolutely. And I mean, again, I'm a homer, right? I'm a Knicks fan. Folks tend not to think about (laughs) those teams that didn't make the bubble, but I haven't seen my team in a year. Maybe that's for my health, actually. Maybe that's better that I haven't seen the Knicks disappoint (laughs) me in a year, but I haven't seen my team in a year, right? And It'd be awesome to see them. I'm sure Chicago Bulls fans feel the same way, right? Like, I mean, it's it's Cleveland fans feel the same way. I get we understand that the NBA is no longer centered on our franchises because our franchises aren't great, and we can f- put people into an arena just as well as anyone else, uh, depending upon how many people are let into an NBA arena. So you do have to take into account those teams that are in the league beyond the teams that were in the bubble, and as you've pointed out. Most of the teams that were in the bubble are going to end up having like a decent offseason. The the deal is that it's just everything's been shifted in a way that we're just not used to, right? NBA players are used to getting their summers off. They played this summer. They got their fall off, right? And so now they're going to jump into the winter and go play ball. Uh, they're just used to playing in the fall, right? And so there's just an understanding that everything's been shifted. Now, I will say that I do feel like there are some definitive negatives, which is why I went B versus A. Free agency and the really the constricted nature of that. Uh, if I'm a free agent in this offseason, I want as much time as possible to be able to explore my options. Obviously, I'm not going to get that, right? Um, and then I'm also the free agent in the year where you don't raise the salary cap because of all these different financial pieces. So now how is that going to impact my individual free agency, right? So those free agents, it's going to be tough. If you're an NBA draft prospect, right? I mean, this is a tough year to be a number one pick type of prospect, right? And not know where you're going to go. You don't know what's going to happen with the teams that are at the top. Is it going to be maneuvering with Minnesota? There's just a lot that's going on there. And so if you're those prospects, obviously, it's going to be difficult. But those teams have it difficult as well because all of those players got their seasons cut short too. I mean, and James Wiseman, you're basically, he's he might as well be coming out of high school, right? He played all of six or seven games at Memphis. And you got to make a decision on a guy like that if you're going to take him with the first pick, right? And so the whole draft piece is uh, crazy. You know, it's it's just different. And if we all embrace the fact that we know that it's going to be different, then, okay, December 22nd makes a lot of sense financially for the league. They can get 72 games in, so you can get a decent season. They're actually going to take the play-in tournament, and they're going to use that, which um, I'm not sure exactly how I feel about it, but you're going to get an NBA season that's going to look very different than what you've seen traditionally. There's going to be some exciting aspects to it, and we're going to get basketball. Uh, and this was a way to ensure that we got basketball. You know, if, if the players would have really pushed back, 
I wonder how ownership would have felt about trying to find a way to start this thing even later than the 22nd. Um, I think that you could have ended up with some kind of frayed uh, relationship pieces there. If you got the healthiest uh, relationship between ownership and players of any professional sport, work hard to keep it. NBA has done that. You know, positives and negatives for sure, but that's why I'm at a B. I also think it's interesting. So you asked, like, what would the what would they have if they had sat in a room and actually argued it out? I think that the ending in time to see the Olympics and be a part of the Olympics is important to a lot of these guys that are on the international side of things as you read through some stuff that Woj and Sion, those guys. Like, that was important to some cohort of players that maybe I'm inaccurately giving to the international group, but that seems to be important to them, right? I also think that it's important that he specified on here, as I read his tweets correctly, that they're going to have an all-star break, but not an all-star game. So that's almost like a giant bye week in the middle of the season for guys, right? And so there's some aspects of that that there's also, so the regular season ends May 16th. If you're not in a play-in in a 7 through 10 seed, you have a break from the 16th to the 22nd, right? Because you're watching the playing games happen before you start your playoffs. So that there are those kinds of breaks in there as well for guys. I just, I, you know, I sit here and I also sympathize with the idea that free agents and draft picks are now going to have to acclimate really quickly. But I think is interesting about this offseason is there are big trades to be had, um, and I'm sure we'll be di- dissecting some of those that will inevitably happen in the, future, oh, the next few days. Oh, you think? <laughs> um, there, there are big trades to be had, including Rockets and including, you know, what do the Bucks do with Giannis because they have to extend him by the 21st if they're going to extend him or wait till next summer. Right, and or the trade deadline hadn't been announced yet, but they had to extend his contract before the 21st of December. Or they have to trade him by whenever the trade deadline gets announced. Or he walks next summer wherever he wants. And that's assuming he maybe he wants to stay. Maybe he doesn't walk anywhere. But like that's a big, a two-time MVP at 25 years old. That's a big, big decision or series of decisions being made all around him, right? And you've got the Lakers and LeBron. LeBron is notorious for taking two weeks off to make his body right. So he, if I'm the NBA, I'm not scheduling the Lakers on the 22nd or the 25th thinking LeBron's going to play. I might put them up there to get Davis on TV, but LeBron is notorious for taking those kind of things off. You know so, that you have to put the Lakers on Christmas Day. You have to. So Yeah, and they have to wear their Christmas whites or whatever and those kind of things. But I, I'd imagine LeBron, if he's not feeling ready because he's got – just two months since his last time playing, he'd be like, see y'all, y'all, I'll wear a suit, and it'll probably be a really nice suit with some really cool sneakers at the bottom. But he's, <laughs> I just imagine he's he's not playing. Um, and Danny Green, I guess, said as much, although it looks like now Danny Green may not be on the Lakers either, so who knows. <laughs> um, but I, I, I wanted to hate this because I'm very much pro these guys. Like, 82 games feels like too much, right? These guys already put their body through tremendous grind just to get through the regular season and to the playoffs, and I'd rather watch the playoffs. I'd rather you shrink the regular season down a lot and have really good playoffs anyway. But with that said, it looks like that this is fairly well constructed as much as I wanted to hate it. I just worry that, again, I give it a B and not an A because 70 games starting two months late, even if you finish a week or a month later, I should say, that's still you're squeezing stuff in still. And I don't know if that's going to work out great. I'm going to throw two questions at you. I'm going to answer them myself. So that way it gives you some time to think about it. I want to know who you think benefits the most from the start of the season being December 22nd. And then I want you to think of who does it hurt the most? And so the team that I think it benefits the most is golden state, because I think that they're going to be good. And they're ready to get back at it now and remind everybody of how good they are going to be. 
<laughs> and they're going to have a high draft pick who they're going to be able to get in, get acclimated. I don't know how much of a player they will be in free agency, but I do feel that they're a team that can make moves. So if there's opportunities to you know move some things around in terms of trade pieces, I would not be surprised if Golden State is involved. There have been some rumors. I think that you might have been the one starting the rumors about uh, Draymond <laughs> Green maybe getting moved for Kevin Love, but Draymond Green <laughs> needing a third team to go to, and then you somehow got the Rockets in there, which um, actually was interesting because it did work. Um, and so it's also interesting as a Houston guy because so much of the Houston fan base hates Draymond Green. <laughs> yeah, well, and listen. They probably would hate P.J. Tucker if he didn't play for them, right? That's the kind of player who, when he's on your side, you love him. When he's not right. on your side, you hate him, right? Um, right? I know a lot of people hated Charles Oakley. Knicks fans didn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but just, I think that that team's going to benefit. And let me say this. It doesn't have to be necessarily a team that benefits, as you think about your answer. I just think that Golden State's going to be one of the teams that benefits. If you were to ask me who this is kind of going to hurt the most, uh, I would say any top-tier free agent this year or next year and, and even why it kind of moves into next year is because you know if you're a top tier free agent and normally the the off season before you can maneuver and potentially get yourself traded to a team that was more beneficial <laughs> uh for your long-term playing future right anthony davis was able to get his trade worked pro- the season prior to his free agency right, right? um and so you know, if you're uh, uh, this hurts a bradley beal frankly Right, a guy who maybe could maneuver and get into a situation where he could be traded. This hurts a Giannis, right? Um, this also hurts anyone who was hoping to get big money, in my opinion, in this offseason, because I do think that people are going to be tighter with their money, but not only are they going to be tighter, the salary cap did not go up. Even if they wanted to give you more money, they could not. And so those are just the folks who I think is going to hurt the most. So who do you think is going to help the most? Who do you think is going to hurt the most, Mr. Rainsworth? I I would agree that it helps the Warriors out the most because they got all the rest that they needed to get healthy uh, and the same kind of rest as a team like your New York Knicks did. But if they had been healthy last season, they wouldn't have gotten that rest because they'd have been playing Orlando and probably playing late into Orlando, right? And so I, I would quickly go to them as well. If I'm thinking of a team that's different than you just to be different, I would lean towards maybe a Portland, kind of along the same health lines, right, that they got a couple guys back right before the bubble and got kind of rushed, but because they got bounced out early at the bubble, they also haven't played in a while. Brooklyn, maybe? Brooklyn, yes, but they're, again, along the same lines of getting Durant and Kyrie healthy as the Warriors, but I, I also want to see that play out before I just start saying that it's, like, I've seen the Warriors play out and it works, so I know that they have to figure that out. The Brooklyn Nets, I think, probably want to play some games and get some stuff figured out, right? And so... They may have wanted some, you know, actual preseason games and, and not just a quick abbreviated jumping into the season. But may, maybe they'll be on the health side, too. I I just, I think the Warriors win that going away. Um, and so it's like, we can talk about second place, but anyway. And then who it hurts the most, if I'm looking at a group of people, you point out free agents that it would hurt. I wonder if it gives them leverage, if it's like... Oh, you know, there's not a whole lot of time to do this or or whatnot. I don't know how those negotiations play out necessarily. I will say that a team that it hurts the most, again, not because I think LeBron or the defending champion LA Lakers need any, you know, any extra benefits or perks, but they are an older team that's defending a championship. And in the West, resting a guy for a couple weeks could drop you several playoff spots. Like there are going to be a lot of talented teams in the Western Conference. 
And the separation between the first seed and sixth seed might only be a few games, right? I mean, we're talking the Warriors are back healthy, the Lakers. I mean, the, the Clippers, we all laughed at when they got beat in the second round, but like, they're not a bad team. The Nuggets are not a bad team. I'm going to throw my Rockets in there, but you're going to laugh at me. You're going to also have the <laughs> Portland Trailblazers. Phoenix looks like they're trying to make something out of this, right? They won eight straight games in the bubble at the end. We haven't talked about Luka Doncic in Dallas yet. Like, all of these teams, it looks like, are going to be competing for these spots. And I bet that is hyper-competitive. And so if you're the Lakers and you just played two months ago and played like NBA Finals games two months ago, you don't want to take a whole lot of time off resting your guys, but you also want to be like ready to go at the end of the season and healthy. So I, I would think that it hurts them, not that I feel bad for them. <laughs> you can't feel bad for them. Those rings are going to be really nice <laughs> once they get the yeah. All right, Mr. Cummings, a thesis that you might know my grade for already, but the thesis I'm going to propose for you is based in Major League Baseball. This past week, the awards came out for their end-of-season awards, and so the thesis reads, the MLB players awarded for their 2020 awards deserve an asterisk. To that, you say, I'm going to go A, but I know you're going to go F, and I just want you to hear me out because I do think that like, of all the asterisks that we talked about, this is the most legitimate asterisk. Maybe. I mean, the asterisk did cheat. But I, I think that this is one that you could agree with. Like, I actually think that there's stuff here that you would genuinely agree with. No? Um, I am going to flunk this. I'll give it as a, as a 59, the highest possible failing grade. I'll give it the highest possible failing grade. That's what I'll sit at. All right, Mr. Cummings, you decided to give this thesis an A and asterisk a bunch of guys that won awards this season. Uh, so tell us why we should ignore history and just trust this asterisk and not study it otherwise. That's not what the asterisk means. You know that's not what it means. It means that you would actually genuinely go back and look to try to understand what happened, right? And so that's that's my thing here is that when we look at awards in baseball or in any sport for that matter – we know that we look back at those and use those for things like Hall of Fame. We start comparing players who was better than whom. When you are going to use things like the player awards in those types of arguments, it makes sense to me to then go and say, hey, let's remember that the 2020 season was a little bit different. And I know that your argument to that always is no one's going to forget 2020. And I agree. Then in 2021, no one's forgetting 2020. But in 2050, they might forget 2020. And what we know is that you look back at some players, and that's they'll get put into the Hall of Fame, you know, 15, 20 years after they're done playing by the Veterans Committee and those sorts of things. So now as you look, it's not that any of these players are undeserving of their award, right? Listen, Jose Abreu led the American League in RBIs. He was second in home runs. He was fourth in batting average. You have those types of numbers, you're an MVP. I'm not arguing that. I'm not arguing uh, Freddie Freeman and the fact that he was second in MLB in OPS or second in the National League in batting average on base percentage and slugging. He had an incredible year. How do I take their year in 2020 right? And even if I go back to just 2019, can I compare Mike Trout to Jose Abreu on face? Can I compare Cody Bellinger to Freddie Freeman on face? Of course not. 
because Trout and Freeman or Trout and Bellinger had full seasons, right? Obreu and Freddie Freeman didn't. And it's not their fault that they didn't. It's the nature of things. So why are we so afraid to mark the fact that we know that the nature of 2020 was different? It's not to say that they are lesser. It's to say that they are different. And that you go back and you look at the story and understand the experience. And now you get to make the decision about whether or not it is lesser or the same in your mind. But now you have context. And that's what the asterisk does. It reminds you to go back and give context. Contextualization is one of those historical thinking skills we're teaching to our students. Right, Mr. Ainsworth? Come on. D minus even? No? Are you going to change at all? I'm not changing my grade on this one. I think asterisks, <laughs> I think asterisks are silly. I don't, I don't necessarily... First of all, they imply that it was somehow like lesser than... There's this, this implication the asterisk that it's like, it's not really the same. And I would sit here and argue that it, it's in a lot of ways doing these things in 2020, especially things with, you know, like, you know, manager of the year where you're managing rosters that are in flux during covid so like some of these things are almost more difficult given the circumstances i i would also say that it's important to note that you had 60 games to to not be cold and if you're the mvp you weren't cold for 60 games right and i i think it's worth pointing out that like freeman and the braves kind of revitalize the Braves team that's been down for a while right and i think those kinds of things are important and that i don't think we should asterisk it because it's just a 2020 it was a short season just like we wouldn't asterisk a lockout season right like, again it's, a, it's just a shortened season that's the way that the sports aspect of it played out i also as far as like that's my general take on asterisk that they're silly i also think you're qu- very very much too quick to point out that like well people could forget about 2020 in 30 years because i don't i mean maybe it's because i'm on month nine of sitting in my apartment like all day long i don't think people are <laughs> I don't think people are forgetting about this anytime soon. Like, I don't think this is something that's going away in the same way that a lockout season would. Listen, or, or your great grandparents said the same thing about the depression. When's the last time you thought about it? Exactly. That's my no. Point. But when I think about like if I, when I think about like sports that happened in the '40s, I do think about World War II. <laughs> like, like that does they, there is a cross of like oh the, like those were the war years when like people weren't playing. Like like those are things that happened too. I, anyway, I I sit here and I look at it like. I don't want to do anything that makes these feel like lesser than by giving, because I think there's aspects that were just as difficult, aspects that were potentially more. And, you know, and just like some years there are aspects that are easier, there might have been some things that were easier about it. And then I also look at it as I'm not going to asterisk the Dodgers for winning the whole thing, even though it was a 2020 year. And that is a team award that I'm not going to sit here and asterisk either. And I'm an Astros guy. You know, I don't like that Dodgers, but I'm not going to give them an asterisk. And so. How am I going to asterisk an individual award when the team went through the same thing and I'm not taking it away from them either? I, I just, I'm very anti asterisk in this whole thing. I think it just means people need to read more books than just like numbers books. And you know, anyway, I'm, I'm not, I'm not for the asterisk in this case. <laughs> but I, but we know that people may not. So why it, the asterisk doesn't have to be lesser. It's only lesser if you connotate asterisk with lesser right like in other words um i can asterisk something because it's a footnote that i want to remind you of right and that that's really what i'm asking for here with this asterisk is the footnote the fact that these guys only played 60 games because it was a global pandemic in 2020 and now 
when you look at Don Mattingly and Kevin Cash and their Manager of the Year awards, maybe you take that into context and you decide they did more in 2020 than maybe any manager ever did. Don Mattingly had the Miami Marlins in the playoffs. I don't, people don't realize how bad that franchise is. That franchise is awful. Mattingly had them in the playoffs. Kevin Cash had the Rays in the World Series. And what some people argue a few moves away from winning that thing. And to remind folks of 2020 in their case, it doesn't seem like you'd be diminishing anything they've done. It's to remind you of how amazing what they did was. Because the asterisk just reminds you to go back and look and put context to the achievements that they had. Yeah, I guess I just took it and it'd be like the implication is that they earned these regular season awards and it would say in just 60 games. Like, the idea that it's just 60 games, like how long your, your footnote here is going to be its own novel that I'm saying ought to just be the novel people read anyway. Stop reading the stats book and read the novel that you're going to write as the footnote. There's where the story is, is that's the story that I get passed down, not just the number, right? That's So anyway, that's where, I, that's where I'm at on is asterisking seems like you're alluding to people reading about it in the same way I'm saying you ought to be telling the story anyway. But, but we just know telling that they it, don't. That's the thing. So if we know that they don't, why wouldn't we put the footnote in that would encourage people to look at and put context to? Because it can't be complete. The footnote, unless it is the novel, will not be complete. It'll say they only they did this in only sixty games because of twenty twenty whatever, right? And that that or they'll say there'll be some way that's not a complete story anyway. So it's not going to be completed. Okay, but it still forces you because now you know that there was some semblance of an issue. There was something to go back and look at. It should then force you to go back and look. Now, listen, if you're not going to go back and look, and if you're just going to make the assumption, you could do that, I guess, with or without the asterisk, which is why, like, that's, I guess that's why when I look at the asterisk, we look at it with a different lens. Because in my mind, I want to make sure that people don't forget the tremendous context around these individual moments when we are, when history has now long gone and you can't just pull that up in your short-term or your immediate long-term memory. And to me, that's the disservice. The disservice is to not mark it with the asterisk and say this was just like every other year when, in fact, everyone knows who remembers that year that it was not just like every other year. Well, I think my big thing, too, is that I look at, like, when the asterisk, if there's an asterisk next to Roger Maris's name for hitting 61 home runs, because it was the first time someone had broken the record in more games than Babe had at sixty, right? And it's like that shouldn't that shouldn't need to be there, like that. And so I guess that does tend to look at baseball as the kind of a sport that would do that. Not that they've done it a whole lot, but that like does indicate that they would do that to put the footnote at the bottom. But the insinuation that he did it in more games, it's insinuating that it's like somehow lesser than the one before it, right? Or so, it's just pointing out. That he did it in more games. And now you get to make the decision because you get the reminder that his 61 happened in a 162-game season versus Babe's 60 happened in a 154. And you get to decide because you got the reminder that there's different context to both of those records. But you're you're a teacher and a linguist. You would, you would understand that that can easily be shaped and persuasive. Like, you grade persuasive essays. We've graded persuasive theses on this pod. Like, a quick one-liner can be persuasive. Absolutely. And it can persuade in either way. 
So why not allow people <laughs> to then be reminded of the context so they could do the research and then form their own opinion? I guess my thing is market in history so that folks go back and look so that they can decide how they want to interpret that history for themselves versus don't mark anything and then people assume that historically things were just the same. Like every year was just the same. And we know but, every year isn't the same. Oh, but see, I think of it exactly up because no two years are the same. And so that's why I would never assume that all years are the same. No two years are the same. No, I get that. We're agreeing. But I do believe that lockouts and strike short and seasons deserve asterisk. So why wouldn't I put one here? Like, I believe that all that. So that people know. Well, I will say I appreciate the consistency there because because there isn't one in those seasons is why I'm not doing it here. If you're going to be consistent and say we're doing it, going to go back and put it on all of these, then I, I can at least hear the consistency there and agree with like being consistent is important. I mean, I would be anyway. Maybe maybe this is <laughs> this is not the argument for not doing the asterisk, but I'm even of the mind to say we didn't integrate this game. For right, as you, we gotta start asking some of those records and some of those things as well. Again, but we we have to have the conversation. But if we don't have any historical marker, what's the instigator for the conversation? If everything just looks the same when the data is thrown out in front of you, <laughs> friends, that is another edition of F in Sports. We are so close to the Mister Ainsworth wedding that I could almost taste that sweet wedding cake. Now, my, my, my invitation is still not here yet, but Mr. Ainsworth, you go ahead, give people your socials, so that way everyone can ask you where Mr. Cummings' invitation is. Oh, everyone's going to bother me for this, and it's really just <laughs> families. It's like literally going to be a total of eight people. Are we not family now? Are we not family now? <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Painsworth 512 and make your claim for being a part of the family. That's P-A-I... <laughs> P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H-512, all one word on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I also respond to our show's Twitter page. That's F-N Sports, the number two, F-I-N-S-P-O-R-T-S, number two, all one word on Twitter. I'll use dash P-A. Shaka will use dash C-C. Shaka, we're also on Instagram. Absolutely. You can find us on Instagram at F underscore N underscore sports. You can find me on social media both Twitter and Instagram, at Shaka Cummings, at C-H-A-K-A-C-U-M-M-I-N-G-S. I am going to be so upset if there's a Golik at this thing, because <laughs> I feel like I deserve an invitation before that, but that's fine. We'll see what happens. Um, friends, thank you for listening to the episode. Please go out, like, subscribe, share, do all those wonderful things to help out the podcast, and please remember, when it comes to sports... Don't flunk with us. Later, guys. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. 
So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.